and welcome to the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Wednesday, March 30th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is honestly glad to have it official that the Flyers are out of the playoffs. It allows us to look ahead a lot more clearly. I agree with that. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. Keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. We've got so much to talk about today. We've got another college signing. We've got the wild game from last night. We're going to talk a little bit about the road trip overall. And we've got your mailbag questions. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Podcast Network. So the Ronnie Adderd signing is official, Russ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm happy. Um He's he's a good guy. He he's gonna have a nice NHL career. I think it might take a couple of years. I know that's probably not what Flyers fans want, but you can't rush every college guy into um, into action and expect them to be NHL ready. That's just unrealistic, no matter their size or speed. Uh, but there's a lot there. There's a lot there to like, and I think if you are patient with him, you will get an NHL defenseman out of him. And I think that's. To me, that's the key. It should never be about when, how quick can we get him. It should always be about, hey, when this guy develops, we're going to have something. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, it's going to be very treacherous for the remainder of the season for the Flyers and especially for a defenseman coming out of college. You want to make sure you're, if you're going to put him into an NHL game, that it's the right situation to allow him to succeed and not just make him feel overwhelmed, right? Yeah, no question about it. I mean, you don't want to put him on the on the top pairing. You're probably not putting him on the second pairing because that one's set. So you're going to put him on the third pairing. But then are you putting him on the third pairing with Keith Yandel? Like, this is the dilemma here. So I don't have a good answer for, for this one, but that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, I think he does get at least a game or two and mm-hmm. just to get his feet wet. But uh, we'll see what they decide to do later this week against Toronto. Meanwhile, in the game last night against the Wild, we were speculating whether or not they were going to sit Hayden Hodgson or Max Willman. Turns out it was Max Willman, which, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with, but uh, Willman had had gotten the the two goals. So I don't think it would have made a difference either way, to be honest. But that being said, I think it was really good that they put Noah Cates on a line with Morgan Frost and Owen Tippett yes. because to put all three younger guys on a line together, kind of saying, okay, you're the future of our team. Like, let's see what you can do. Yeah, I like that. And and Frost did get a goal, so that was nice. That was a good move. Well, we, And we talked about this, about the Flyers probably trying to load up on getting bigger and heavier in this game. Again, it's not necessarily the answer against Minnesota unless you can match them uh, speed-wise, too, because they, you saw the, the pace of the game that they're able to play at with the size of guys they have. So 
to be honest, I think Wilman was better suited to be in there because at least he's fast and can keep the pace, and it's something a little different. You can't worry about every one of your guys getting clobbered. You know what I mean? You just can't play that way. Right. And, you know, to your point, the Wild did play more of a skill game in this one anyway. Yeah. And and uh, having the speed of Wilman might have been nice. Again, not sure it was a difference maker. Per no, se, but, but, it, but, but just I the, think the if, philosophy of it. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying there. You know, Noah Cates, like you said, had a pretty strong debut, mm -hmm. I would say. You know, he looked much better than a lot of the team did, to be frank. He had several takeaways. Um, he played on the penalty kill and had mm -hmm. a really good clear in the second. I thought he was strong on the four check. And then he had that great chance near the beginning of the third. Man, yeah. why did the good Mark andre Fleury have to show up in this one? I know, but that was a good chance. Um, he, but, you know, this is what I was talking about. There is some playmaking in him, but there's a lot of shutdown in him right and those things mm -hmm. you don't have to teach and when you don't have to teach those things that's a really big advantage so he knows what to do without the puck he knows where to go in the corners he's fast enough to get back in the play he knows how to do all those things and it's funny because it's almost like some some flyers fans now don't like the fact that if you bring in noah cates it's like oh no it's like another scott lawton it's like okay listen most of these college forwards the forwards are not going to be superstars that's just the way it is, unless, you know, you're a Trevor Zegras or, you know, Jonathan Taves back in the day or something like that. They're not going to be superstars, but they're very useful players. And, and to your point, it's almost like Noah Cates is unaffected by, you know, this Flyers team and the losing and, and everything else and did play better than a lot of the vets out there. Yeah, I think overall, looking at this game, everybody's positioning just seemed to be a little bit off. There yes. was missed feeds up front. I thought the defensemen, except for maybe Sandheim, were in the wrong spots sometimes mm -hmm. and just allowed the wild players to kind of have free reign, especially in the first half of the game. I will give them some credit. I think the Flyers played much better in the third period than mm -hmm. they did you know earlier in the game um and so i think you know they did eventually get it together and kind of ran into flurry playing well uh in terms of lack of finish but i i do think but they weren't getting many second chances you know like, no right yeah. and and that speaks to the strength of the wild and and their system. it does unless you crash in the net sometimes you can get that tip or whatever they you know yo talks about it but it wasn't happening and I will say that, you know, we've been dogging the power play. I mean, absolutely deservedly, but I thought the power plays at least looked better in the third mm -hmm. period. Like we said, Morgan Frost got one. And I thought Travis Sanheim looked great on the power play. He, yeah. His decision making was spot on. His passing was great. And I thought he took shots when he should have taken shots. And it almost made Provorov look better out there to have Sandheim with him on yeah I think there, I think there's something to be said about that I think you're right and that's a, a good thing the other thing though that I talked about on another show is Sandheim's defense does need to tighten up again like that's his offense is really coming out now which is great but now he's got to tighten his deal again too hopefully that happens because again they're going to have to make a contract decision on him yeah that's absolutely true so kind of looking at the road trip overall a little bit here you know they were one in four which is not great but they were playing a lot of really good teams 
I'll say it like this. If you want to write this season off as an aberration and claim that they're going to be good and competitive next year and come back and, you know, Ryan Ellis is going to be back and everything's going to be great, then you have to beat teams like this. And right now, that looks like a tall order. So that's what they're going to be up against next year when, you know, when they retool for this. So we'll see. But that's these are the kinds of teams you have to beat if you want to make the playoffs, especially especially when it gets to be like that last month of the season. Well, exactly. And I think you know, my observation, at least from the road trip, is we got to see several very good teams and mm-hmm. a couple much better than average, but maybe not elite teams mm-hmm. in the league. And they're all clearly better than the Flyers and they exhibit more skill than the Flyers. They're faster than the Flyers. And if it's not obvious to management that a quote-unquote aggressive retool isn't going to be enough to make this team competitive, then I don't know what will. Right. I mean, that's it, it should be. I mean, there was a play in this game where um, right before Jordan Greenway got his goal, Travis Konechny was trying to make a play on him, and Travis Konechny ended up in his own net because Greenway pushed him down before mm-hmm. he got the goal. Like, that was, to me, like, em- sim- symbolic of what was going to happen in this game. I would hope anyway that management would look at this and say, well, if we have to be more aggressive to get to this level, that is an impossible task in this upcoming off season. And so what do we do to make an iterative step that's going to get us closer and set us up so that the following season we can be at that higher competitive level? Because if they think that they can get to that level next season, it's a delusion. Yeah, no, it is. Um, what you have to do is try and be better than this year, but be better than this year with more young players in the lineup mm-hmm. who are hopefully better the year after. That's really what you're shooting yes. for here. Instead of filling these gaps with the Nick Sealers of the world because they can fight. That's exactly. really the goal. Exactly. So we'll we'll continue to be talking about this and the strategy. And I don't know if we have to like cross fingers or, you know, <laughs> smudge a room or something to get Chuck Fletcher to recognize this, but hopefully we will. We'll get a jelly jar and we'll throw it against the wall. Exactly. Before we get to more of that conversation, I want to talk to you about Bilt Bar because, you know, we've been talking about Bilt Bar for a long time on this show. So by now you should know how much we love them. But Bilt has so much more than just protein bars. Have you tried their puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they have some incredible flavors like cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, and banana cream pie. All Bilt Bars, including those puffs, are covered in 100% real chocolate. If you go to Bilt.com and scroll down to the macros chart, you're going to be blown away. They're high protein, low calorie, high fiber, but low carb. Most Bilt Bars have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, but 17 grams of protein. 
If you look at a candy bar, it's going to have 240 calories, a ton of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And the regular bars have delicious flavors as well, like raspberry and cherry barcia. They've got new flavors coming out all the time. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. So go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. The GMs are having their meetings right Mm -hmm. now down in Florida. And, you know, they have a few pertinent things that we should talk about here Uh, They are going to try and solve that no trade clause issue that they ran into with the Dadanov (laughs) trade in Vegas. So so they're going to supposedly create a central registry for all the no trade info, but it has to be approved by both the league and the players. Yeah, and and my advice is do a test run on it before you agree to it. Like actually test it out one day on like a Sunday when it's a slow day or something. Yeah, well, I think it's just a record so that when they're doing the trade calls, it's all there. Right. But remember, they said there was there were teams on hold. Well, that's true. But I think the other kind of contract issue uh, is that they're going to continue to talk about a playoff cap idea related to the LTIR issue, which is, I think, to address the Tampa and Vegas problem specifically. Not that it's a problem. It's those teams are using LTIR as they are intended. It just seems like it creates an unfair advantage. So, you know, I think that it's worth it to have conversations, but I don't necessarily think that they need a playoff cap. They're they're not going to do it. I mean, Donald Fear is is saying, sure, guys, let's tell the league we'll talk to them. They talk to them. Then they all huddle up and they're like, we're not doing this. So speaking of the cap, it's going up officially by one million next year. Woohoo. 82.5. You know what that means, though? That means some other team will sign Keith Yandel and he can keep his record going because now they could afford to. That's all it means. Uh, I certainly hope somebody else is the team to do that. <laughs> uh, supposedly, the cap is going to increase by a million each season until 24-25 because they've got still got to deal with the escrow situation with the players due to COVID. Boy, um, that's a long time to wait I for know. it to really go up. So I know. That's why a team like the Flyers and other teams like the Leafs and other teams that are still in this tight cap situation, you're not getting much relief for the next couple of years. So you really have to really look two, three years into the future this summer. Otherwise you're still going to be in trouble. And Chuck Fletcher is going to have to rely on younger players that are cheaper in a way that I don't think is comfortable for him. And that could be a problem for the Flyers, but fair to say. We'll cross that bridge, as they say. Yes. Uh, And then finally, uh, some of the most disappointing news to a lot of people, when they do the next World Cup of hockey, there won't be a Team North America or a Team Europe. They're just going to stick with countries only. And um, 
Laura Saba from Lockdown Canadians asked for our reaction to that as part of our mailbag. And honestly, I'm of I'm of two minds here because I loved Team North America. I think it's probably one of my favorite like top five teams of all time in hockey. That's absolutely one of the most fun experiences I think was that team but I think that was lightning in a bottle and I think if they tried to recreate it it just wouldn't be the same and so I'm okay with them having like different stunt teams but I think doing it the same as they did it the last time around wouldn't work this time I'm of a different mindset. I love Team North America. I felt like they had gotten jobbed at the time. I, I remember there was they like a did. bad call. Yeah. They and, did. Yeah. And and now I feel like they were so good. And I think they this time around, they'd be good enough to actually win it. That I don't think that's what the league wants. Because I think they wanted to, to show up the vets a bit more. And the way to do that is to mix the teams. But I would love to see Team North America again. Because I like putting a spotlight on the young talent, but apparently that's not going to be the plan. We'll see what countries they wind up using in the tournament. Cause I know they had created team Europe because there were some sort of quote unquote leftovers that they wanted to include, mm -hmm. but there weren't enough players from that country to sustain a team. So I wonder how they're going to handle that in 2024, but we've got time until that happens. And in in the meantime, let's dive into the rest of our mailbag. Uh, we got a question from Brendan about Flyers coaching. Uh, who do you think will be behind the bench for the Flyers next year? Will it be Yo? And uh, Brendan would like Scott Gordon back before Mike Yo, which is a bold statement, but honestly, same. And then suggests Kevin Deneen. I mean, Deneen's not a bad suggestion. I, I think they might even interview him. Listen, losing Scott Gordon was massive for this organization, and I think it shows up all the time. Uh, that's just, I think, the way it is. I, I think it's going to be John Tortorella. I do. I do, too. I just have this knot in my stomach yep. that says Tortorella is the kind of guy that Chuck Fletcher would hire. And it terrifies me in so many <laughs> ways. I just... Uh, I just don't know if he can get there with this team and to have like this team burn through another coach would because I think Tortorella is a guy that burns out fast. Well, he burnt out slower in Columbus. That's the only thing I could say. He did, but it wasn't going well there with him, except for the one year. that. Listen, now you're breaking up details. I just, you know, <laughs> don't start picking away at it. All right, the next question, given the cap situation, who is your top priority to trade this offseason and what would you like in return? Would you like picks or a player that will fit a role? Okay, so I'll take JVR out of it cuz I they they may just end up buying him out if there's no market for him. Uh beyond that, who would I like them to trade? You know, it still could be Travis Konechny. I know he is rebounded <laughs> to some degree this season, and that yeah. may be good to trade him because my issue with Konechny is the salary with what I think the future production is going to be. And and I think if they were to trade him and alleviate that cap space too, they probably would be able to utilize it a little better because 
I just don't know if he's ever going to be the guy that they thought he would be when they gave him the contract. Yeah, I think it's an interesting option. On the JVR front, I think they should look at the market for him and look at what a retained salary would be versus what the cap hit would be on a buyout mm-hmm. and just kind of weigh the math there. Mm-hmm. And because I, even if it's a retained salary that's slightly higher than the cap hit for the buyout, if you can get something in return for that, I think that's better than just doing the straight buyout. So I definitely want to test the market on him and see what's possible. But what if it's a straight buyout or you have to give like a second round pick to get rid of them? Then what do you want to do? No, no, not to the, not. Then you're going to do a buyout. Then you do the buyout. Right. Right. You, you don't do what you did with Goss Bear again. Right. So I think that, yeah, Konechny is a really good option because it's an it's a good amount of cap space for a guy like him. And I think there are some younger players waiting in the wings that could you know, have at least as decent of an impact as Konechny has made the last couple of years, right? Yes. So I think that what he does is replaceable on this team, and you could pay somebody a lot less to do that. So I agree with you there on a a trade option. All right. So along those lines, Mike wanted to know what the Flyers game night roster for the first game of next season would look like i mean i'm just i'm not going to go through the whole thing i can't even tell you for sure i think ryan ellis is going to be in that so i I can't answer this question i i really can't because there are going to be players that won't be on this team there are going to be decisions made uh is cam york going to be a top pairing right d he shouldn't be you can't do that to a young player for an entire season. If you want to get the season, I'll live with it so he can play at the NHL level, but you don't want to put him on his offside uh, for a whole season next year on a top no. pairing as a, as a rookie. No way. Not at all. And so well, not a rookie anymore, but like a young player. Exactly. I mean, my best guess on what the defense would look like, let's just assume Ellis is healthy for the okay. sake of this discussion so if you have Provi and Ellis Sanheim and Risto and then you have York and then I think they Chuck Fletcher shouldn't re-sign Nick Sealer but he might re-sign Nick Sealer so Sealer might be the option there or a Sealer like object who's a very inexpensive depth defenseman that's going to cost you like slightly less than a million a year or a million a year right yeah I think you're you're pretty close there Right. And then you have either a Zamula or an Adderd as your extra kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And then for your forwards, I think there are too many question marks here because there really are. I think, like, especially with the cap, if they're going to, it seems like they want to sign Tippett, right? They're going to offer him a deal. Well, they're going to sign him. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, what is that going to cost them? To me, he's like a 2.2 guy. No, I don't even think he's that high. I think he's going to be like a million and a half. I don't know. I just feel like this is a guy that Chuck Fletcher overpays, but maybe that's <laughs> just me. You could be right. I just feel like he's going to offer him about two. Okay. I- I'm trying to start doing some cat math for next year. And let me tell you how much my head hurts. Oh no, it. it's, it's not a fun exercise. I've <laughs> gone through it. Yeah. So given the cap and the limited space, 
if the Flyers don't trade anyone away this offseason, but Coots and Ellis are healthy, does this team as is make the playoffs next year? No. Yeah, I think that's the right answer. And it's not because of Carter Hart. It's just mm-hmm. this is a league now that, especially in the Metro. Now, if they were in the Pacific, I'd Maybe. say they have a chance. Yeah, but it's not in the. It's in the Metro. And what if the what if the Devils were to get Goudreau as just as an example? Like you know what I mean? Ugh. Like <laughs> I know, but that's a possibility. I think it's definitely a possibility. All right, next question: Do they re-sign Zach McEwen? They're going to re-sign Zach McEwen regardless of any. any, It hurts me deeply. It's going to happen. Uh, I don't, I don't like it. It's again, it's nothing personal. I think I enjoy what he does, but I just think that's not what the Flyers need personally. It it really isn't. The one thing, I don't know if you noticed this. I'm sure you did. Uh, The Wild loved matching up against the Flyers fourth line tonight. Like they were enjoying that. The passing yeah. room that they had was incredible. And, and yeah. that's the problem. If you're having McEwen play on a really good team and you only have to put him out there for like, you know, seven minutes and that's what you're looking for three nights a week or something, fine. But, you know, every night on a fourth line, that's a little rough. But he'll be back. So we've been talking about some of the college players. And this is actually a really good question. How many games do NCAA players have to play to burn that first year of the ELC? Yeah, it's just when when they come out and you sign them and they want to do that, one game is all it takes. That's it. Yeah, that is something that I wasn't aware of. I didn't realize their ELCs were different than the rookie ones that come from junior hockey. So that's good to know. Yeah. Well, and that's the advantage. Like there's advantages to the NCAA players, you know, they, they get this loophole. So they get to almost choose what they want to do. Like there's, they, they have a little bit of power. Um, but again, I don't think the Flyers should use that as a, Hey, now we're going to play them at the NHL the rest of the year kind of thing for every player, because I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think, uh, most should go back down to the phantoms and you give them their taste they burn their ELC. They know what they have to do. You give them their marching orders and you say, this is what you need to do, we think, to to make the team next year. We want you to make the team. Because, look, Tanner Lisinski, I think if he didn't have the injury, he'd have, been, he'd have made it this year. Right. I think so, too. You know, so it's good. It, to me, there's nothing wrong with having um, good all-around players in your bottom six if you're lacking like star power that you could have in your bottom six, because your top six doesn't really have it. Like they're going to go through a little bit of a metamorphosis now. And, and, and that's fine. I think better to be better defensively, be good skating for that bottom six with occasional scoring than no chance of scoring and just being like, you know, big and heavy and, easier to match up against. Like, I just think that's where we're looking at for the next couple of years until they get a little bit out of the cap hell. And until, you know, unless someone like hates, you know, were to make a big step and become a second liner and, you know, is it possible? Sure. But I I don't think it's as likely, but that's what you have to sort of look at. Yeah, I think you're right. All right. That was a really good mailbag. Lots of food for thought. Uh, This team has a lot to consider. 
for the rest of the season and going into the off season. And uh, I think it's going to be, for lack of a better word, apologies for this pun, but a wild ride. <laughs> no, it will so, be because like the minute the season ends, the coaching search starts. Yep. Yep. Once again, I am not saying they should be the Flyers head coaches, but I think they should at least have a conversation with Julie Chu and Caroline Uyet because I think it's important to have those conversations. I think it would be great. I don't think we'll see it. Nope. All right. Wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing. Well, we do have one good team in our system, and that's the Reading Royals. They officially clinched a playoff spot in the ECHL Kelly Cup playoffs. So that's good. We have one team in the playoffs. Yeah, and I guess that's their plan for Millman is to keep him playing in the playoffs and let him experience that. Okay. Hopefully, All you know, right. they can go far in it and at least he at least there's one future flyer getting playoff experience. I don't know how many of those guys will actually make the flyers in the future, but I think he can. So Yep. It should be good. That'll do it for today's show. We're gonna be back again tomorrow. We're gonna kind of recap where we are with our draft eligible prospect work that we've done in the past few months kind of summarize where we are see if anybody's moved up or moved down since we've talked about them last and then we're going to do a deep dive on a very interesting player in zach bookman Mm -hmm. that russ is excited to talk about as a reminder we always want to hear from you if you want your question answered in our mailbag segment you can send them in via twitter at lockdown flyers or you can email us at lockdownflyers at gmail.com I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.